Today, our show is sponsored by Nutrafol. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. If you are among them, know that you're not alone and there is a solution you can trust to deliver results. Thousands of women have taken back control of their hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol offers targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. Healthier hair growth takes time. You'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in three to six months. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months of use. Nutrafol is physician-formulated to be 100% drug-free. They use medical-grade botanicals in consistently effective doses so you get the most reliable results. And no matter your stage in life, they have a solution. Nutrafol women's formulation is ideal if you're experiencing thinning hair loss caused by stress, dieting, overstyling, or environmental toxins. Their other formula, Women's Balance, is for additional hormone support for those with thinning hair through menopause. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code SELFIE to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, you get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. That's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code SELFIE. Today's episode is sponsored by Somavetic. Somavetic is a device that combines an Eastern approach to health and wellness with modern day technology. If you have a lot of devices in your home, as most of us do, then there are hundreds of signals floating through the air at any given moment. This is called EMF, and some people are really sensitive to it and believe that it can cause some not great things in the body as a result of all of these free radicals bouncing around. If you're concerned with the unwanted influences of electromagnetic radiation or geopathic zones, you'll appreciate Somavetic. Somavetic devices rely on frequency therapies and the healing powers of precious and semi-precious stones and metals to create a natural energy field to harmonize your home. It does this through the controlled release of energy from precious and semi-precious stones. It creates a 360-degree field with a radius of 100 feet in all directions. The founder of Somavetic launched these devices in 2011 as a response to his own ongoing health struggles. After years of no success with Western medicine, he turned to traditional Chinese medicine and found a variety of healing properties with stones and minerals. After some time, he was able to heal his body and has helped others as well, and his experience inspired him to create Somavetic. If you're interested in mitigating EMFs and creating a harmonic field in your environment, these devices are a great solution, and they are beautiful. Each device is comprised of their own semi-precious stones with unique properties. Somavetic is a small company, and all products are handmade and hand-assembled in their Crystal Valley, in the Crystal Valley of the Czech Republic. If you want to try Somavetic, they have a 60-day money-back guarantee to let you try. Visit somavetic.com and use the code SELFIE for 10% off. That's S-O-M-A-V-E-D-I-C.com with the code SELFIE for 10% off. Hello, I'm Sarah James, a lifestyle blogger and self-help aficionado. And I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and psychotherapist. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast in the Life Listen Network about two women embarking on a self-care bender. We're both of the opinion that self-care is important, and yet it's elusive. And while we may have all the information we need, we don't always get there. We want to explore different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious, looking at body, mind, and spirit, and also just some random targets thrown in there for good measure. We also want to look at the defenses and distractions to keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. 
So on today's episode, we are going to be talking all about hair. We're going to be talking about hair care, going gray, hair loss, and our favorite products. We're also going to be talking about the third quadrant of the Myers-Briggs personality test, which is thinking versus feeling. And for our fluffy topic, which actually isn't super fluffy, we're, well, maybe that's a really bad word for this. Um, we're talking about body positivity. Yeah, maybe fluffy is not the right word for that. Um. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll, we'll come back around to that. Okay. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about hair. I mean, yes. let, let's be real here. People are really interested in hair. You know, some people are, oh, no, I'm not that big of a deal, whatever. But it is an interesting topic. People care about hair. Well, okay. First of all, we need to back up and you need to tell our listeners who don't know you about your original blog. Before there was Whirl, there was Hair Thursday. Actually, I did start as Whirl. Whirl was my oh. very it was my very first blog and it was had nothing to do with hair. It was just I was a newlywed thinking about getting pregnant. It was more just kind of like this was going on in my life. It was quite quite some time ago. But over the course of the first couple of years, people started commenting about hair. They would ask about their hair or my hair or what products did I use. And soon after, people started emailing me about what they should do with their hair. Now, I am not a hairstylist. I don't have any sort of training in hair, but I was getting all of these emails. So from that point, I started a new blog called Hair Thursday in which people would email me pictures of their current hair, tell me what they, you know, what their hopes and dreams for their hair was. <laughs> and I would pick out, I'd do the research, I'd pick out two photos of different hairstyles, and then my community would vote on which hairstyle the person should go with. So I was not setting out to do this, but very quickly it became very popular and I had a year-long waiting list within months. So it was just really random. Then somehow, don't ask me how, the New York Times heard about it and suddenly I was on the front page of the New York Times style section about this Hair Thursday website and then it just became talk shows and ABC Nightline. And I ended up being <laughs> in a Pantene a na- yeah, commercial. I ended up being a national commercial spokesperson for Pantene, you guys. Quite frankly, the most bizarre career trajectory I have ever been on in my life. Especially for someone who, you know, like you said, you don't have a cosmetology degree. You didn't no. go to school for hair. Although I will say, you do have really good hair. I mean, you have been genetically blessed. (laughs) Well, thank you, Kristen. It's all my dad. He's got a great head of hair. And that was the thing. And I think I kind of realized early on that there was a gap that needed to be filled. So I just rolled with it, but I really didn't know what I was doing. I just kept forging forward. And so Hair Thursday continued on for years and years. And then finally, I just kind of got sick of doing it. But all to say that it showed me that people are super interested in talking about hair and what to do with their hair. It's just, it's it's a big deal to a lot of people, right? Well, I do think it's a big deal. And I think, you know, I don't know that I really realized what a big deal it was until I actually had some pretty massive hair issues a few years ago. Um, I started going gray, which is not the massive issue. Um, But 
my hair, because I started going gray and I did not alter my hair regimen, it started breaking off really bad. And so I all of a sudden found myself um, like with like serious hair breakage and my hair was super thin. And I don't think I realized like what a vanity issue and a security blanket my hair was for me until all of a sudden I didn't really have it. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you... Everyone could admit that they've had a bad haircut at some point, which really caused them, you know, at least a mild level of distress. A haircut. Uh, Yeah. You know, we can all admit to that at some point. I've been there. So it is. It's part of your style. It's one of the very first things people look at on a person. So yes, it is. It's super, it's super important to a lot of people. Let's talk about some of the things going on with hair, especially in 30s and 40s. There is going gray, like you talked about. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's every woman's prerogative as to whether or not she wants to go gray um, naturally or, you know, continue to color it. I um, I started graying pretty early, mid-30s. And so I'm 40, 42. And if I did not dye my hair, I've got like massive, massive white patches. So I would be you know, probably 30 to 40% gray if I didn't color my hair. I have made the choice to color my gray. Now, I know you've made a different choice. Yes. Well, I will say that I think I'm probably about 5% gray. I, I've been lucky yeah. in that I don't have Hashtag a lot of blessed. gray. Hashtag blessed. But yes, it is starting to come in now. It's it's definitely noticeable. My friends notice, my husband noticed, but it's not in any sort. It's just random strands. There aren't patches of it. And so I just don't, at this point, feel it necessary to color it, but never say never. I mean, who knows what this is going to look like in a couple of years. Um, it is really obvious though, because I have super dark brunette hair. So I have a lot coming in through my bangs and it's kind of coming in, but I just have made the choice not to do that. Yeah. Which I, you know, I mean, I respect anybody's choice. I absolutely do. For me, um, I feel like the color that, um, my hair is, um, if I don't color it, um, between, I have like a mousy blonde and then the gray, I feel like with my complexion, it just is very unflattering for me. Um, which is one of the reasons I color mine. And I also think it really ages me. And, um, you know, I'm just not, I'm not there yet. I mean, I think, you know, maybe in my fifties I will be, but I'm not quite there yet. But I think, you know, one of the topics I, I think is interesting to discuss is not so much the coloring of the gray hair, because I think, you know, science being as it is, everybody can sort of figure out how to color their gray. For me, the biggest issue has been the texture change. And, Mm -hmm. and, um, that has been significant for me. So coloring aside, I've really had to change my hair care regimen to adjust for the dry, brittle hair I have, or it literally just breaks right off. Yeah. And I have to agree. My gray hairs are not smooth and silky. They are wiry and they stick straight out from my head. And so, yeah, there is a huge texture change. So I would imagine if you're 40, 50% gray, you have to really address that, you know? Um, My my friend Lisa, she actually has a website called This, uh, This Organic Girl, and she's about our age, and she has decided to go all gray. And she's probably... 50 to 60% gray. And so she's four months in to the grow out process and she has very dark hair like I do. And it has been 
amazing. It is so, I, I don't know. I think it looks so cool and it's so inspirational, but she's, we'll definitely put a link to her on selfiepodcast.com because she's, she was just like, I'm done dying it. And she's just letting it grow out. So it's like the top four inches of her head are silver and the rest of her hair is super dark and she's just growing it out and wearing scarves and doing her thing. So wow. I mean, kudos See, to I her. feel like I would be more apt to going gray if I didn't have to go through that awkward stage of yes. the gray roots coming in. If I could just all of a sudden get to silver and I yes. have a friend who ha- who was like 30, 40% gray and she puts like a lavender wash on hers and it looks super hip and cool. Like I would love to do that, but I don't want to go through that middle stage. Oh, who does? Who wants it's to so go through awkward. the garage? I can't believe that Lisa's doing it. It's great, but yeah, it's got to be super bothersome. But even circling back to the point you were saying about your natural hair color. Now, if I had a natural hair color that I wasn't super fond of, I would be much more apt to color my gray. So I get that point too from people that are like, hey, I'd rather be blonder or darker or whatever. So it's just kind of a two in one that I just happen to be covering my grays because I'm trying to get my hair to an optimal hair color. So I mean, that makes sense too. It's obviously a super personal decision what you want to do with it. But I do feel like recently I've seen a lot more women embracing their gray. Well, I have too, but I think a big part of that is that the the whole platinum blonde, pastel, silver. I True. mean, I ha- I seriously have a hipster friend who's in her like early thirties who dyed her hair silver. Like she's not gray. Like right. she, that was a style choice. So you know, I don't know. I, I and I was thinking about this the other day. Like, man, I hope that that's still like in when I finally, <laughs> you know, do decide to. Let it all hang out, but it probably won't be. Uh, it probably won't be with our luck. It's not going to be We will have all. moved on to like neon color. Oh, who, of course. Who even knows by then. Of course. Of course. Um, and then it's kind of like, how, how do you dye your hair? There's, you know, of course me, I'm always looking out for non-toxic dyes and stuff like that. There is one called hair print that I know a lot of girlfriends of mine use, which is a non-toxic dye that covers grays. Um, it has, I think like seven different food grade ingredients in it. And it actually works really well, except for, I think you have to do it every month, which I don't know. Is that, is that, is that common? Is that- oh, Sarah, I have to do mine every two to three weeks. And what? You know, I, yeah, because it grows in so fast, so fast. And it's completely white at the roots. So it looks very odd. So I have to do mine every two to three weeks. Now, I will say while I, you know, you are a little more gung-ho on the non-toxic. While it's a value for me, you know, I will <laughs> I will cheat when it comes to vanity. <laughs> well, this is the person that uses Nair to shape their eyebrows. Yes, so. I do. Yes, on my face. But um, I will say the na- I have found that the non-toxic or natural hair dyes are great for brunettes and they're not great for blondes. Blonde is tricky. I bet. Really tricky. So I'm going to share my hair care regimen just for anyone else who might be going gray and, and some of the learnings that I've had. So what I've done is I... Um, because I do have to dye my hair every two to three weeks. Um, I have found that if you're blonde and if you previously used to bleach, you have to stop bleaching. You cannot bleach over, um, grace, you know, without like, right. Right. Without getting a, a lot of breakage. So what I have done is I only, or lift, you know, is probably the proper term for it. Go lighter. Um, so I only go lighter about once a year, which is a similar pro- 
um, process to what you do. I have my stylist lighten the ends and then she sort of paints all the way up, which is the technique. What's the name? Biolage? Um, yeah, biolage. Balayage. Balayage. Okay. Balayage. So she does that for me. So I get a little blonde in towards the ends. It kind of gives it that sun-kissed look. Then all I'm doing at home is dyeing the roots, a darker blonde that doesn't have any lift in it. And my stylist has generously told me what to buy, which is key. That's because, fantastic. You know, if you're going to cover your gray and you want to do it consistently, it gets real spendy to go into the salon every three, four, even six weeks. It's expensive. So I really like being able to do it at home. I don't bleach as often. Um, I try not to heat style it every day because this is where I ran into problems. I was like doing the trifecta of hair damage. I was bleaching. I was blowing it dry and I was flat ironing it, flat ironing it. And Ooh, girl. you just, you can't, you can't do that to gray hair underneath. No. It just, it revolts and just breaks. So. Right. You can barely do that to non-gray hair. True. That, that's a lot. That's a lot of, that's a lot of damage going on. Very true. Well, it's just, like you said, it's definitely a personal decision. You know, there are def there's different kinds of ways to do it. We're going to put some of those suggestions of products to use for the gray hair on the website, selfiepodcast.com. So that's there. What you know, another loss, thing that, though? yeah, I was just about to say that. So I, that has not been an issue for me yet, but I have a lot of friends my age who are really dealing with hair loss. And I can say, you know, when we started talking about how hair is a big deal, I know from my friends that are experiencing that it is really demoralizing and frustrating. It's completely normal to lose about a hundred hairs per day. And I don't know if you've noticed for me personally, I go through cycles of the year. When yes. I, so in late summer, early fall, which we're in right now, I lose a ton of hair. I mean, just when I run my fingers through my hair with conditioner in the shower, my hands are covered in my hair and I just have to like wait for it to all congregate at the drain to go throw in the trash. It's an enormous amount of hair. It used totally. to, it used to freak me out, but then I found, I've just learned that once winter rolls around, it stops. So it's just a natural thing for me. But for a lot of these women, it's, it's gone for good. We're not, you know, well, there's and not I that will cycle. Say in terms of hair loss, I mean, I actually shouldn't say it isn't a problem. My hair is thinner than it used to be. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't fill a ponytail like I did in my 20s. Right. Um, but I do have friends who are, you know, who are having to style around, um, you know, balding spots. Yes, which would be really hard. It and is I, really hard. It's, but it's, it's also very normal. I mean, that, you know, it, it happens. That's a thing that happens. It is a thing that happens. Now, there are, I know there are some actual, there's drugs out there. There's pharmaceuticals you can take to help with hair yeah. regrowth. Um, and then there's also, if you want to go just a more natural route, there's, of course, lots of different supplements you can take for helping hair become stronger and helping with the regrowth. And obviously, biotin is a huge vitamin yeah. that people are supposed to take. And if you go anywhere, even like Trader Joe's or Whole Foods, or there's usually some sort of blend there that's a hair, skin, and nails blend. Do you take one of those? I do. I do take biotin. Yes. Yes, I do too. I, I think I actually take the Trader Joe's hair, skin and nails um, just to help with strengthening the nails and the hair and everything. But you know, if you are losing an, a lot of hair and it's something new to you, you should definitely see your doctor about thyroid issues 
as mm-hmm. well as particular vitamin deficiencies. Even a vitamin D deficiency can cause hair loss. So some of these problems could actually be addressed by making sure you have a properly functioning thyroid and yeah. you also aren't deficient on a lot of vitamins. And we'll put a little bit more information up about that as well because that is something definitely to look into Um because there are, I mean, there are ways to fix this problem in many cases. Yeah. You just kind of have to get to the root cause. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Should we talk products? Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, how much time do I have? I've really got to whittle this down. You're <laughs> such a product whore, Sarah. We both kind of are, but you are actually well, way worse than me. I have to say, this is my job, and they're usually sent to me for free, and I review this, this stuff. So I, I don't know if I would be going out spending gobs and gobs, but it is part of what I do. So I do see and use a ton of products. Some are great, and some are really horrible. <laughs> Well, I mean, I will say that hair stuff, you know, shampoos and particularly like pomades, I mean, that's one area where I have not switched over to green because I think, I kind of think the toxic stuff makes my hair look really good. Oh, I'm sure it does. Well, the talk, oh my God, the toxic stuff makes your hair look amazing. It does. When I coat my hair in in synthetic plastic, it looks really good. Use those (laughs) plasticizers all day long and that hair and it's smooth and shiny and gorgeous. Now, of course, I'm going to have to, I'm going to get on my soapbox for just a second. All right, here we go. Okay. Everyone take a deep breath and I'm not going to go far (laughs) into it. I'm not, if you want to go far into it, you can visit me at my personal blog, but here's the deal. Let's break it down. The skin is our largest organ. We know that, right? And although it provides a very protective barrier, it still absorbs 60% of what you're putting on it into your bloodstream. Okay. That is a fact. Now there are certain parts of the body that are way more absorbent and sensitive than others. Guess what your number one is? I don't want to hear the answer. Your scalp. Don't tell me. Your scalp is one of the most (laughs) sensitive and absorbent parts of your body. So when you are putting products on that scalp, it is like a direct line into your bloodstream. And unfortunately, a lot of the chemicals used in shampoos and conditioners are not good for you. Namely, surfactants, which surfactants are what kind of trap the dirt and the oil in the hair and let it wash away with water. Mm -hmm. They are not good. They're they're not good for you. They can cause all sorts of problems. And so the, the deal is, though, there are so many products on the market now that do not contain those chemical surfactants, that do not contain preservatives, additives, fragrance, and they do not have to be expensive. There now, are, if we decided I want no surfactants, mm-hmm. what is the words we're looking for on a label? You want to stay away from things like sodium lauryl sulfate. You which want is to, in pretty much every shampoo. Yes, which is SLS. Sometimes it's just abbreviated. Mm-hmm. Sodium laureth sulfate is something. And the problems with these, and oh no, I just I should just stop while I'm ahead. But when when, <laughs> when these chem, these chemicals themselves produce this carcinogen called 1,4-dioxane, and that is horrible, okay? 1,4-dioxane is found in 22% of all personal care products and 50%, 57% of all kids' products. Wow. Yeah. So, I have heard of this. Yes, you have. And so you want to look for that. You want to look for anything like MEA, DEA, loramide, cocamide, uh, basically anything ending in ETH, F, or oxanol. Those 
are chemicals you want to stay away from. But I promise you, you don't even have to be a crazy label reader anymore because there are people are getting away from this. There are a lot of companies right. that are getting away well, from this. Well, and I feel like there are, you know, it, I feel like one better way to go about about things is maybe just shopping at places that have done the research for you. Yes. Yes. That is true. But also I will say places like Target, they have lots of cleaner brands now. So it it is becoming more readily available to everyone. You don't need to go to some special store. I mean, you can, you can go to a particular natural beauty or, you know, skincare store, but even Target. So my suggestion for a simple shampoo and conditioner switch, if you're looking for something that's inexpensive, is a Cure Organics. And we'll put this up at selfiepodcast.com. And you know, I do have to say, I do use a Cure shampoo and conditioner. I buy it from Grove, um, which I love, Grove Collaborative. I'll do a link to that too, because they, everything in their online store is, you know, non-toxic. But, um, you know, for someone with gray hair, for someone who like needs a lot of extra help, I have found their shampoo and conditioner to be really, really good. Yeah, I think it's an excellent, and here's the deal. So Grove has good deals on it. Also, pharmaca.com, they carry a Cure Organics, and pharmaca.com always has some sort of 20 or 30% off discount. They always have some sort of promo code. So you can end up getting a decent size of a cure shampoo for seven bucks. So, I mean, you're getting shampoo and conditioner for $14. That is a great deal. And they have none of the bad stuff in them. And they have all different kinds for all different hair types. My kids use a cure organics. I use a cure organics once in a while. Now I'm not going to lie before I switched over. I used Orbe as my hair products. They smell Mm -hmm. amazing. They make my hair look amazing, but they are horrible. They are so bad. So a couple of options for people that are looking for more luxury type lines, you know, a little higher end, are um, Rawa, which is carried at Sephora, and we'll link to this. Obviously, I know um, it's a lot of a lot of words, a lot of labels. On selfiepodcast.com, we'll Self- put this all up. Exactly. So Rawa is really good. True Botanicals is actually my favorite. Um, I like that one too. I love True Botanicals, and they are as clean as clean gets. And then, and those are really for shampoos and conditioners. For styling products, I love Josh Rosebrook. He's based in LA. His products are super clean. He does pomades, hairsprays, volumizer, texture sprays. They all smell amazing. They're super clean. And they are actually, those are the only styling products I use. I only use Josh Rosebrook's styling products. I love well, them. I will confess, I've managed to switch over for shampoo and conditioner, but in terms of styling products, I still swear by Chi Silk Infusion. It was a game changer when my hair was breaking off. I don't put it on my scalp, so I'm yes. hoping, you know, I really kind of um, ears down is where I use it. Yes. But if you are really struggling with hair breakage from gray, the Chi Silk Infusion really can turn things around. You use it every day. You use it before you use your heat styling. um, And it it can significantly reduce that breakage. And you bring up a really good point about putting it on the ends. 
I feel I feel the same way. If you're going to try to make a switch to cleaner beauty when it comes to hair care, just go with the shampoo and conditioner first. That's what's touching yeah. your scalp. I mean, there are still some things out there. There's 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 a couple of Orbe products, styling products that I'm like, I love the way they smell. I don't mind at all putting them on the ends of my hair, even from like the mid shaft down. I there's yeah. it's not it's not being absorbed into the body. It's in the hair. So go for it. You know, I'm one that even though I got on my soapbox a little bit. I definitely believe that one product at a time is great. If you're just changing one thing out at a time, maybe in the course of six months, that's great. That's cool. Yeah. You're moving in the right direction. You don't need to go into your Baby shower steps. right now and take everything and throw it into a huge <laughs> garbage bag like I did, like I did. But you don't <laughs> need to be like did. me, people. You don't have to be <laughs> like me. You don't have to do it. So, All right. So we, I think we need to talk styling just a little bit because I know yeah. both you and I – we are both fans of the Beachy Waves. Yes. We both yes, get girl. asked a lot how we do that. So you are the one who taught me, literally <laughs> in my bathroom, um, how to do the Beachy Waves. Yes. And we both use a flat iron for that. We do. I alternate between a flat iron and a one and a half or one and a quarter inch barrel. Uh, clipless, curling iron. Yeah, clipless curling iron. I don't use curling irons with the clip or even if I have to use one with the clip. I don't actually open it up. Because the clip gives you mall hair. It does. Like prom hair. Yes. And it also leaves yeah. clamp, clamp marks, which I can't yes, stand. Yes, you don't want that. So yeah, you can do it two ways. The, the flat iron leaves, it's a much kind of messier, really beachy wave in that every part of the hair looks a little bit different. It's not uniform, which I like. I don't want to look like, I call them, I don't know, I'm sorry. I call them church curls. Like, you yeah. know, oh, <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't want that kind of look. I want it to look, I, like I tell my hairdresser, my hairstylist, I'm like, I want you to make my hair look like I just woke up and got out of bed. Like, yeah. That, you don't want to look like I'm you're going, going like you're, yeah, going to a Miss America pageant. No, no, not at all. So we use flat irons. I actually have a couple of tutorials. I have a tutorial a YouTube tutorial that compares the both. I did one side yes. with a flat iron and one side with a curling iron. I will link up to that, which you can look at how you actually do it, but it's super easy. And I don't know about you, Kristen, but I only wash my hair every three or four days. So when I put my curls in on the first day, it's just as every day passes, they get a little bit looser and I love it. And it's just, I don't even have to touch it really. I just let, I let it be. And then, you know, four days later, repeat the process. So I'm actually not having to use a lot of heat on my hair, maybe just, you know, twice a week. Well, I am jealous of that. And we should probably, we should probably circle back around to hair washing because, yeah. um, I know a lot of people will be shocked at your every three to four days thing, but so which, but really quickly, which, um, which flat iron do you use? Do you use a pricey one? Do you use a cheapy one? What do you use? My flat iron is Sedu or Sedu, S-E-D-U. Yeah. I don't even know how it's pronounced. Actually, my hair dryer and my flat iron and my curling iron are all by Sedu because they last forever. Now, I'm also a fan of Hot Tools. If, um, <laughs> if you know, Sally Beauty Supply, super inexpensive. You can get them on Amazon. You can use the Hot Tools curling iron and just wrap your hair around the barrel instead of using the clamp. I do that once in a while. So um, the Sedu, I think, is kind of pricey. It's definitely not one of the cheaper lines. But I need, for instance, my hair dryer has to be super powerful. I have a lot of hair. And it would if I'm at a hotel and I forget it, I usually, and this is no lie, will go through three hair dryers. I'll have to call housekeeping and have them send yep. two more because I burn them out. And so I just go for the big, powerful hair dryer. 
And you use a Sedu hairdryer. Yep, I do. It's the 4000i. So it's so interesting. So I this was a learning for me as well um investing in a better hair dryer because I, you know, I would always just buy cheapy hair dryers and then someone explained to me, you know, if you're going to blow dry your hair, you want your hair to get drier quicker. You don't want to spend a lot of time with the blow dryer on your hair. Exactly. So it's actually it's more efficient, but it's also better for your hair. So I invested in a Baby Bliss and it was a game changer for me. I mean, my hair looks better, it dries faster, and it is stupid expensive. It is. Um, but like you said, mine's been going for years. I mean, yeah. I bought that thing probably three, four years ago. It's still going. I also have the Sedu um, flat iron, but let me tell you, I actually prefer my like $29.99 Conair well, flat iron I bought from Target. I love tell. it. Now, does that heat up all the way around or just the plates in the middle? No, it doesn't heat up all the way around. But what I like about it is it's got a longer, um, the surface area is really long. And so when I'm in a hurry, I can, I can section my hair into like maybe six sections being a bend, not really a yes. curl, not really a wave. I'm bending my hair. So I can section it into like six sections, take that long barrel twist it and give my hair a wave in, I'm not kidding, five, seven minutes. I've watched you do this many, many times. So that's why I love that one because the surface, you know, the Sedu surface area isn't that long, but the Conair is super long. So we'll link both of those up on selfiepodcast.com if you want to take a look. And I do have to admit, you can do that very quickly. I've watched well, you go from freshly washed and dried hair to beach waves in like two minutes. I mean, you just I take can. like that whole side and just shh. It's amazing. I do. It's I am, seriously do. You need take to do a like, tutorial. I, I should. I've been thinking of that. I should. I need to I do that at should. some point. Okay, so let's talk really quickly about hair washing, and then we'll we'll move on from the hair. Clearly, we have a lot of opinions about it. So, I mean, tell me because I I can't. I don't wash my hair every day, mm-hmm. but I do have to wash it every other day, or it's just greasy. Yeah. How um, do you get away with three to four days? Okay. Tell me your ways. Well, it doesn't happen immediately. You know, mm-hmm. when you're washing your hair every day or two, your scalp is producing a certain amount of oil to keep your scalp nice and moisturized and not not allowing the scalp to get irritated. Now, when you stop washing your hair every one or two days, your hair is going to look oily because your scalp is producing that level. It takes about a month. It takes about a month of going through and patiently dealing with the oilier hair for your scalp to get the memo, hey, I'm not being stripped as much anymore, (laughs) and I don't need to be overproducing oils to moisturize the scalp. And it does happen. It absolutely happens. And it was that way with me at first. All of a sudden, I was like, this is disgusting. I cannot deal with this. But I pushed through, and three, four weeks later, now I can go three or four days and it just doesn't look greasy. Now, the question I get asked the most is, but what if I work out all the time? And for me, uh, my workouts do not involve an enormous amount of sweat. So for you of those out there that are sweating and you literally have a head that is wet from perspiration, that is a different situation. You're probably going to have to wash your hair. You yeah. know, I mean, it's just, that's, it's like my sister. That's, she works out like that. She has to wash it every day. But if you're doing lighter exercise, yoga, Pilates, walking, you can definitely do this. You just have to get over the hump. And do you use dry shampoo in between? 
I do not use dry shampoo. I used to use it until I started reading all this literature about... Oh, boy. I know, but it does. You're going to ruin dry shampoo for me, too? Get ready. (laughs) It... You know what it causes, Kristen? No. Enormous amounts of hair breakage. (gasps) It binds to the hair and creates a texture that makes it so easy to break. And let me tell you. I believe that. I do believe that. If you have the dry shampoo on your hair and then you try to heat style it the next day, it's gone. Yes. I agree with that. I don't, I do have some. The other reason, honestly, Kristen, is that I have really dark hair. And it just, it, mm-hmm. it, I, I can't help, but it looks ashy or yeah, a little bit lighter. So I just don't, yeah. but I know people love it, but I don't know. I don't know. I'll let you guys make that decision. I'll let you make the decision. Uh, oh my gosh. We have so many thoughts about, about hair. <laughs> but we have others that we've got other subjects. We got to We got to move on, right? We got to yes, move on. We do. We have okay. to move on. We've talked a lot about skincare on the show and specifically tretinoin. If you're not familiar, it's a retinoid, which is an active vitamin A derivative that's used to improve the texture, tone, and appearance of the skin. Today's sponsor, Dear Brightly, has a product called Night Shift, and tretinoin is the active ingredient in Night Shift. This is the only FDA-approved retinoid for treating photoaging, which is premature skin aging due to long-term sun exposure. Tretinoin stimulates collagen production to prevent and treat signs of premature skin aging from years of sun damage, things like fine lines and wrinkles, dark spots, uneven skin tone, and big pores. Tretinoin can only be acquired through a prescription, but it's 20 times more potent than the -the over-the-counter retinol products. It's one of the most well-researched ingredients with over 50 years of research behind it for both acne and photoaging. I had a chance to try Night Shift and I'm really liking it. I have the unfortunate experience of having both breakouts and wrinkles at the same time, and it's great for both. I have seen my fine lines decreasing. I've seen my skin tone looking better, and it feels really nice. If you've used an over-the-counter retinol before, you know it's really great, but a dermatology-grade retinoid is even better. Night Shift is their dermatologist-formulated serum that's tailored to your skin by doctors online. Dear Brightly works by you first of all starting by sharing your skin story with them, then a doctor evaluates your skin and your skin history. They then tailor your formula and write a prescription, if applicable, and your tailored serum will be delivered to you in the mail. It's super simple and easy. Head to www.dearbrightly.com and enter the promo code SELFIE to get 15% off your first order, which is their very best offer anywhere. That's S-E-L-F-I-E to get 15% off your first order at dearbrightly.com. So when I was a teen learning to shave my legs, my mom did not do me any favors by buying me really cheap disposable razors. If you grew up in as a teen in the 90s, you know the ones, and they left nicks and cuts all over me when I was trying to shave. So with two girls learning how to shave their legs right now, I am committed to making sure that they have good quality razors. Guys, I was probably well into my 30s before I realized the difference a quality razor makes. Today's sponsor is Athena Club. They have great razor kits that we have been using in our house for a couple months. 
The razor blades are awesome. They are surrounded by this water activated serum that has shea butter and hyaluronic acid. So you get a silky smooth shave that actually leaves your skin soft and hydrated as opposed to stripped dry. And their blades are spaced out to let hair and shave cream pass through easily. So you don't have to make a ton of passes going over and over the skin to remove the hair. Fewer passes means less irritation to your skin, which cuts down on razor burn and ingrown hairs. The razor kit is only $9 with free shipping and it comes with two blade cartridges, a cute little magnetic hook for your shower storage, and your choice of a handle color. I personally chose the coral, but what I really like about it is they have a ton of different colors, black, white, pastel, neon. So if you have a big family like mine, everyone can have the razor in their own color so you don't get them confused. What I also love about Athena Club, you guys know I love automating things. You never have to worry about dull blades because they send refills on your schedule. You just choose how often you want them and they will send them automatically with free shipping. I would also highly recommend their cloud shave foam too. It's insanely thick and stays on while you shave so you don't have to reapply. It leaves your skin feeling very moisturized. It's really, really good. If you want to try a great quality razor that cuts down on the wastefulness of disposable razors, try Athena Club Razor Kit. You can get 20% off your first order at athenaclub.com with the promo code SELFIE. That's A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with the promo code SELFIE for 20% off. Okay, right. so we're going to talk about, you know, something a little less vain. We're going to, um, we've been talking, um, the last two episodes we did, we've been talking about the Myers-Briggs personality typing. And if you're not familiar with this, it's, Myers-Briggs is just, it's four quadrant, quadrants that describe your personality. And then um, when you put all four together, you get a type, I am an INFJ. And, and I Sarah, am an ISFJ. Right. So we are very similar. We talked last week um, about how Sarah and I are different on that one quadrant. And it's been interesting because since we had that little discovery, even in our conversations together, working together, we have made some observations about how we differ on that. You guys, it's crazy. We've had, yeah. have, we've had so many conversations this past week where I'm like, you like we've really applied are. it. <laughs> we have applied it to our lives, especially in working on this podcast together. Yeah. It makes so much more sense. I mean, Kristen is definitely intuition. I am definitely sensing. But the great thing is, is those two can work together so well and complement each other. Yeah. So we have been figuring out even as partners, um, you know, how we sort of change our workflow so that she's working in her strength and I'm working in my strength. I definitely recommend this too, you know, if you're in a relationship or even for your coworkers, take the Myers-Briggs, figure out your type, learn how your type works with others. It's super fascinating. Absolutely. So if you want to hear more about the difference that, uh, between the S and N, go back to our episode last week. But today we're going to talk about the difference between thinking or feeling. And both of us are Fs. Both of us are feelers. Now, I want to give the caveat that it doesn't mean that if you're a feeler that you don't think a lot because um, this is really about decision making, but it's not about your life. It's not like people who are T's don't have strong emotions. In fact, T's can be emotionally unregulated people. Um, F's can be people who overthink things, like both of us. <laughs> um, what are you saying? I know. <laughs> Because we do. Um, but at the end of the day, it's really about how you process and make decisions. So people who are thinkers or on the T, they tend to, in decisions, um, be logical. They, are, they can be impersonal. 
They aren't swayed by their own feelings or even the feelings of others. They're looking for facts, for, for logic, for rationale. They're looking for right or wrong. And they tend to be a little more black and white in their thinking. Um, they could be seen as lacking empathy. That would be something that, you know, maybe a spouse or a friend would, um, would feel of them who was on the other end of the spectrum. Now, those of us who are feelers, we tend to look at the points of view of everybody involved. We think about how we're going to feel. We think about how the other person's going to feel. We think about how people are going to look at us for the decisions we make. Um, and we could be seen as lacking objectivity or logic by the people who we love. Exactly. I think feelers are definitely concerned with harmony. Yes. You know, making everyone feel harmonious. And Absolutely. Definitely are a little bit more tactful um, and I guess are seen as being caring. But like you said, it doesn't have to do with your life per se. It's more about the decision making. It's about decision making. And, you know, I mean, I think a classic decision making difference would be a thinker, you know, if, if they had perhaps overextended themselves, a thinker might be more prone to be able to say, Hey, you know what, this isn't going to work for me just realistically where a feeler is going to go, well, I don't want to hurt someone else's feelings and oh, I don't yeah. want them to think poorly of me. Oh you know? yeah. Yeah. So it's really interesting in looking at this in the terms of self-care. Yes. So how, how maybe looking at feelers trying to be keep harmony, how that can sometimes be a detriment to them. Absolutely. Because we can tend to codependency. We can tend to um, overly concern ourselves with the feelings of others to the point where we don't make good decisions for ourselves. Mm -hmm. We can tend to ruminate on how other people might be thinking of us, how right. we're coming across. Um, how other people feel. Yeah. And I mean, just trying to make everyone else happy. And then you throw some kids into the mix. Uh-huh. And then it's like self-care goes down the drain. Absolutely. You know, it's what we talked about in last week's podcast too, just that it's hard as it is having kids, but then you throw a feeler in there and then trying to keep the environment harmonious. And that can just be super detrimental for the self. Well, and I know for myself, like one of my big traps is when my kids are having a good time, I have a really hard time saying, okay, let's wrap this up. Let's mm -hmm. move along. Like we're going to, um, okay, now it's time to cook dinner or now mom's going to go for a walk. Like if my kids are having fun, I just, I look at them and I go like, oh, they're like, they're really <laughs> having fun. I don't want to cut this off for them. Absolutely. You know? Yes. That happens all the time. So I wonder how someone who was a thinker would approach that situation. Just, I mean, more just cut and dry, right? Like we, they're just, we they're have to move on. They're a little more objective. Yeah, they're yes. a little more objective. Now, the, the problem is then they can appear dispassionate. They can appear like they're lacking in empathy, like they're not thinking of anyone else. So in a way, thinkers can sometimes be better at self-care uh, because they're able to be a little more objective about their self-care goals, where I might have a stated goal of self-care. I mean, here's a perfect example. This morning... I wanted to get to the gym before we recorded, right? But if I did that, I knew I was going to be about 15 minutes late for us to record. And I knew I could send you a text and be like, I'm going to be like 15 minutes late. But I was so concerned with your feelings that I, you know, I had like a whole crisis about it. 
And it made me so pissed, Kristen. I was I so know, pissed off. I know, you were so off. mad at me. I, I was like, I quit this stupid podcast. <laughs> Damn you. No, yeah, but that's so but, true. You know, that can be difficult. Or, or we are likely to do obligatory things for other people instead of for ourselves. Uh, that's super true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just so interesting, and it's so interesting how it all fits into the overall the overall personality type and how they all work yes. with each other. So Absolutely. I've been having so much fun talking about this. I've Like I've said to you before that I've done the Myers-Briggs test several times, but it's not until now that I really started to ruminate, <laughs> as we do, um, about all of these things. And it really does apply to so many facets of our life, including self-care. Yeah. And so I think, you know, just general advice for both feelers and thinkers as it relates to self-care, I think feelers need to state objective goals for themselves and stick to them. I think they need to give themselves permission to sometimes inconvenience others in the pursuit of self-care, you know? Oh yeah, um, absolutely. Give give yourself, let yourself off the hook. Um, On the, on the flip side, Um, thinkers need to sometimes value the people part of a situation a little bit more. So rather than being, you know, sort of stuck on like, this is what I'm doing. This is my objective. Like, you know, sometimes like saying like, no, I'm, I'm just going to kind of sit in the mess of, of human interaction and (laughs) not be so black and white. So next week we are going to talk about judging versus perceiving. And I think that's going to be a super interesting conversation too. Oh, I'm excited for that one. (laughs) Yeah. And if you want to take your Myers-Briggs personality test for free online, you can check out selfiepodcast.com. We have a link to a place where you can do that. All right. On to body positivity. Body positivity. Big buzzwords right now. It is a big buzzword. And you know what? I'll be honest. I have mixed feelings about the whole thing. Well, you tell me about it right now, girl. Well, I'm just going to say right at the outset that this might, you know, I, I am not going to be perfectly um, politically correct, which is actually something that I usually strive for. Um, but there, this is a complex, this is a complex and nuanced topic, I think. And it's, oh, yeah. it's a difficult one. Um, I'm super happy about the movement of body positivity. Just the other day, I think I was watching, I think I was watching The Bachelor and I noticed three commercials in one commercial break. Um, that featured, and they're not even like average size. Well, and here's where this gets tricky. Mm -hmm. I don't even know the word to describe the women I'm talking about. Yes, I know exactly what you're saying. Okay. I don't even know the word. The word I'm, the word I'm looking for is they were maybe size 12 or 14 women, but Mm -hmm. it's like average. You're not supposed to say that because there's no average woman. Right. And we don't want to say fat. No. And and you don't. don't, Yeah. And you, Yeah. This is where the body positivity movement gets tricky is that I don't even know the right word to use. I don't either. Nonetheless, I was thrilled to see size 12, size 14 women in a commercial and three different commercials. There was a Target commercial. There was a sanitary pad commercial. There was a TJ Maxx commercial with women of varying sizes. And Mm -hmm. I am here for it. I love it. Let's look at size 12 and 14 women, how, what's the percentage in the United States of women in between 10 and 14? It's a huge percentage. I think that's percentage. the middle of the bell curve, isn't it? I oh, mean, absolutely. That's, that's most of us. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it needs to be addressed. It needs, I mean, these, these women, 12 to 14, should be in commercials. This is what we're seeing. This is For life. Sure. This is life. And I love it. I love it. You know, we, you and I both grew up 
um, really in a time where when I, when we looked at a magazine, you know, 17 or L or whatever we were reading in our youth or watched a commercial, I mean, every woman was underweight, which again, I think may not be the right word to use. It's probably wrong. Like, I don't even know what to call myself anymore. I, I just don't I know. T- I don't know? either. Am I skinny? I, Am I like, I, 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 you know, I, I don't know. It's hard I, and no one wants yeah. to offend no Anyone? one wants to offend. That's I don't the either. biggest issue. No, no one wants to offend. And no one, I don't think most people, most people don't mean to offend. No. It's just so convoluted. And I just can't figure out what, it, it, it's like anything you say, someone's going to come back at you on Facebook and be like, nah, that's wrong. That's not, not. you know, so it's hard well, case, to talk about case it. Case in point, I linked to a dress that I really love. And I said, this is flattering for every figure. Now in, in my mind, that was me saying, hey, this dress is cool for all of us because I'm not a super skinny person. Um, but people took me to task for saying flattering because apparently saying flattering assumes that we need to dress for the gaze of others and oh we shouldn't God. have to care how our body shapes look in clothing. We should be able to wear whatever we want, which actually I totally agree with. I do agree. Everyone should be able to wear whatever they want. But at the same time, I I care about f- flattering clothes. Well, I like, agree that everyone can wear whatever the hell they want. And I just think it's going a little over the top for getting all over you about using the word flattering. You know, but at the same time, I don't want to, you know, I, I'm, su- I'm super pumped on the movement. Oh, I am. I am absolutely too. Because you know the thing we need to get away from, obviously, is any sort of shameful feelings people are having about their body size. And I think that in moving in this direction, we're celebrating all different sizes. And that absolutely. kind of that that body shaming epidemic can maybe dissipate a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's a big epidemic. You know, feeling it's a huge epidemic, and everybody feels it. It doesn't. You don't have to be plus size to feel body shaming. You could be really, really small too. An issue of women, you know, it's just... It is an issue of women. We are held to such incredibly high standards. And then we have women almost competing with each other. It's really hard to navigate. It is. It is. And I, you know, I mean, I'm hoping that all of these positive steps are going to change things for our daughters. I mean, there's a super famous supermodel right now who is, you know, quote unquote plus sized. I mean, I think she's, you know, um, but you know who I'm talking about? I don't know her name, but she's like, I know who you're talking about. I don't know her name. She's gorgeous. She's everywhere. And I feel like this, it's great that she's on like legitimate covers. Um, there's more and more clothing lines for plus sized women. Um, you know, they're pushing the, the size up because it's like plus size, I think starts at 12 or 14, which is absurd when most women are those sizes. Um, but, you know, there's more and more clothing companies catering to that. Um, you know, I, I just and I think I'm seeing people policing themselves that they don't want to body shame, you know, that it's not OK to make fun of someone for being fat, even if we don't like that person. You know? Right. And it all it, it all starts so early. I wasn't even going to talk about this, but, you know, my daughter is seven and she's got an adorable little figure. I mean, she's just a slender little seven-year-old. She came home a couple of weeks ago and was grabbing at her thigh, which is essentially a healthy thigh. It's skin and bone and a little bit of muscle and was just pulling on it, like pinching it, saying, mom, look at this fat. 
look at this fat. And I, I did not even know what to say because I have never said something like that, you know, like that around her. And I just said, no, what I see, I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, those legs are beautiful. Those are strong legs. You know, my whole life I I have athletic, that's the positive word I'll use. I have athletic legs (laughs) and, you know, but my whole life growing up, I had, you know, very muscular legs and it just, I hated it. And I, that I was so, so, I hated them. And now I'm seeing it happen to my own daughter. And I'm, but I'm thinking like, where is she seeing this? The television, obviously. She gets on her iPad and watches YouTube once in a while. Kids at school. So it just starts so young. And that's why I really hope the body positive movement can continue to ramp up because they're just encouraging people to adopt, you know, more forgiving and affirming attitudes towards all the different body shapes. I just hate to see a seven-year-old come home and say that to me. Oh, I know. And, you know, my 10-year-old has said similar things. She has, you know, a bit of a tummy, which I have too. Um, And so she has, you know, she's talked negatively about that. And I've tried so hard. I mean, for myself as a mom, I've never complained about my weight to my kids You know, I've never, I mean, I've been on a diet, but I don't say that to them. I never talk about needing to lose weight. Um, You know, my daughters have, have said stuff about my body before when they were younger, not as much now, but like, mommy, your tummy's big. And I just say, yeah, that's sometimes what a mommy tummy looks like after you have a baby. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, just try to be super matter of fact, like, you know, it's, it's just, this is my body. It's no big deal. I'm not super modest at home um, because I want them to see what an, you know, and again, I don't know the right yeah. word, but what a normal, normal body. Slash average slash, yeah. yeah. Average, what a, yeah. not, you know, chubby, whatever the word is, what that body looks like walking around, you know. Um, and so I've tried to do all of that, but it's, it's, it's still, they're getting messages from the media at the end of the day. Oh, absolutely. And, and from peers, from peers, yes, you know. Absolutely from peers. So I don't know. To end it though, I don't know. Did you just see the recent open letter Serena Williams did on body positivity? No. I just saw this. So she basically, it's just, it's an open letter. I believe it's an open letter to her mother. And she was just kind of sharing about how her own career has been impacted by these modern beauty standards. Wow. But this is a quote. She said, I've been called a man because I appeared outwardly strong. It has been said that I use drugs in order to gain an advantage. It has been said I don't belong in women's sports, that I belong in men's because I look stronger than many other women do. And she said, I am proud we were able to show them what some women look like. We don't all look the same. We are curvy, strong, muscular, tall, small, just to name a few. And all the same, we are women and proud. I thought it was such a great, yeah, I thought it was a great letter. So hopefully we can just continue in this direction, you know? I agree. Well, here's here's the wrench, though, because we're talking about self-care. Do you ever get concerned, though, that it could go so far that we are no longer concerned with health? Mm, that is a great question. I, I would hope not. My, my thoughts on it all are that I don't really care what shape and size you are, but I do care about being healthy. Well, I completely agree, but I will say that I did recently see people using the term food shaming, meaning that we should never shame any type of food, that all food is good food. All bodies are good bodies. All food is good food. A Big Mac is good food? Well, yeah. And so I had a little pause of like, whoa, wait a minute. 
Like, all bodies are good bodies, but there has to be a point where factually we can acknowledge certain foods are not healthy for us and certain weights are not healthy for us. And that's where it gets super tricky. Yeah. Well, tricky, but I just, I am not down with that. <laughs> I, I just, I am not down with that. That is a bunch of crap, I think. Because obviously there are good foods. There are bad foods. There are things that can, that will decrease your lifespan. It has been proved. So I. Well, and that's, I, and again, that's where it gets super nuanced and tricky because being overweight can decrease your lifespan. That's absolutely. true. And I say that as someone who currently is over, I am overweight. So I'm saying all of this, you know, with, I mean, knowing that like, I know I am not healthy right now. And I know it's poor self-care that I'm at the weight I'm at. And, and I want to be body positive and I'm positive about my body. I, sh- I showed up all summer in my bathing suit. You know, I, I'm, I live in my body positively, but at the same time, I know that it's poor self-care for me to not, um, lower my weight. You have to, at some point, put in the work or, or, or do the right thing. I'm talking about it with foods. And yeah. I, I believe in moderation with everything. I am not some crazy food dieter, plan follower kind of thing. But at some point, it really is about your health. And, right. um, you know, it's just kind of figuring yeah. out how to make it all work in your own life. And maybe that's where the healthy balance is, is if it's about your health and not about your appearance. Because I don't want to be down on myself for the way my body looks, but I am down on myself about the way my body feels. Yes. And about the way my health is right now and about my potential for elevated cholesterol or my potential for, you know, not having a healthy heart rate and all of that kind of stuff that goes along with it. And so I guess that's maybe that's where we have to ferret out body positivity from just a total acceptance of not being healthy. Exactly. And when you agree that, you know, you're starting to exercise more now and I think you've always been a, you've always been a good eater. I mean, I think that you make, you make, you make good choices most of the time with what you eat and you're beginning to exercise more. Don't you think even one or two months down the road, if your body had not changed at all, yet you had done these things, you would feel better about it. Oh, for sure. You would feel better sure. about making healthy decisions. So I think you're you're spot on in that we have to look at it from a point of view of being healthy opposed to shapes or sizes or any of that. Yeah. And we certainly, you know, we're we're talking off the cuff here. We don't have this figured out and no. you know, this conversation might be super offensive to some and we we welcome your feedback. We really do. I mean, we're we're figuring it out. Along with everyone else. That's what this is all about. And it actually is an interesting segue because next week we are talking about eating well. We are. Yeah. Which is going to be interesting. follow up. (laughs) Yes. And I have many thoughts on that too because as you said, I do sometimes eat well, but I sometimes really don't. Oh, no, I know. (laughs) We we will go all into that, our our personal plans of attack. We're also going to be talking about that last arm of Myers-Briggs, judging or Mm -hmm. perceiving, which that's going to be a good one. And Mm -hmm. then as our slightly fluffier topic, we will be talking about one fashion trend we are each totally into right now. And spoiler alert, Sarah's is one that I hate. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm just going to tell you that if we have, if if the question were one fashion trend we wish would end, mine is what Sarah's. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys are going to have to check back next week to find out what that is. Thanks for joining us. Continue the selfie conversation with us on Instagram at, at selfie podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash selfie podcast. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so that you can catch up with us next week. A huge thanks to Shepherd Audio for our intro music. Take care.